Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director, and this is The Daily D.C., Thanks so much for listening. Today on the podcast, CNN's Town Hall Bonanza. It took place last night at St. Anselm up in Manchester, New Hampshire. Five candidates on the stage. Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota. Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts. Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont. Senator Kamala Harris of California. And Mayor Pete Buttigieg of South Bend, Indiana. And... They each had an hour where they were taking questions from college students and young adults, mainly made up of students at St. Anselm or other New Hampshire area colleges and universities, as well as the event was in partnership with the Harvard University Institute of Politics. So there were a bunch of Harvard students there as well. And uh, a whole range of topics came up. But I I do want to devote most of this podcast to the candidates I want you to get a sampling of what they said last night, some of the highlights of the night, rather than me pontificating about it all. So first up, obviously, topic one of the day was the notion of how Democrats are going to deal with the impeachment hot potato that Bob Mueller has basically dropped into their lap by not coming to a conclusion on obstruction of justice, but issuing a report, half of which is solely dedicated to laying out 10 different episodes of President Trump's behavior that could be evidence of obstruction of justice. So how do the Democrats balance what Mueller put forth with maybe what may be a political risky move to head down the road of impeachment proceedings? You'll notice not all five of these Democrats dealt with that issue in the same way. And I think it's really telling that just as Nancy Pelosi was gathering with her fellow House Democrats in a caucus meeting on the telephone yesterday to sort of slow the roll and calm the waters and methodically move through Judiciary Committee investigation and oversight investigations to do and put together more facts, hear from Mueller, hear from witnesses that Mueller spoke with, such as Don McGahn, the White House counsel, a key witness in the Mueller probe. And we know that Jerry Nadler, the head of the Judiciary Committee, has issued a subpoena for McGahn to come and testify before the House Judiciary Committee next month. Do that work. And if the findings of that work demand that impeachment proceedings start, you know, that's something Pelosi says she won't ignore. But she clearly wants to sort of methodically, step by step, go through this, not some rush towards the beginning of impeachment proceedings. Just as she's trying to calm the waters, we actually heard a growing chorus among these Democrats about moving towards impeachment proceedings in the House. Kamala Harris, most notably, who had not been in that place even after the initial release happened on Thursday and she was asked about it over the weekend, she was not there. Last night in our town hall, Kamala Harris changed her position on this, moved on this, 
to saying that even though she realistically understands that there would be no end result of removing Donald Trump from office in a Republican-controlled Senate where you would need two-thirds of the senators to vote to convict him, that she does believe that the House Democrats should start moving towards impeachment proceedings. Not so for Amy Klobuchar. Not so for Bernie Sanders. So there were all these folks you know, on the stage last night, and we could really see the divide inside the party. And I just want you to hear from each of them on this topic post Mueller report where they stand on how Democrats should handle the issue of impeachment. We'll do this in the order in which they appeared in the town hall last night. Klobuchar, Warren, Sanders, Harris, and then Buttigieg. Here are the presidential candidates. Okay. So I believe very strongly that President Trump should be held accountable. When you look through that report, it is appalling some of the things that were going on. And you could see time and time again, maybe you've read parts of it, uh, that was his advisors uh, that held him back. So I believe, first of all, we need to have hearings in both the House and the Senate, and not just with Attorney General Barr. We need to bring Director Mueller before the United States Senate, right? Because otherwise, we are never going to get to the bottom of it. The impeachment proceedings are up to the House. They are going to have to make that decision. I am in the Senate, and I believe that we are the jury. I've always believed this from the beginning to the end. I'm a former prosecutor. I believe you look at the evidence to make decisions. So if the House brings the impeachment proceedings before us, we will deal with them. If any other human being in this country had done what's documented in the Mueller report, they would be arrested and put in jail. Obstruction of justice is a serious crime in this country. But Mueller believed, because of the directions from Donald Trump's Justice Department, that he could not bring a criminal indictment against a sitting president. So I think he's wrong on that, but that's what he believed. So he serves the whole thing up to the United States Congress and says, in effect, if there's going to be any accountability, that accountability has to come from the Congress. And the tool that we are given for that accountability is the impeachment process. This is not... If, and this is an if, if for the next year, year and a half, going right into the heart of the election, all that the Congress is talking about is impeaching Trump and Trump, 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 and mullah, mullah, mullah. And we're not talking about health care. We're not talking about raising the minimum wage to a living wage. We're not talking about combating climate change. We're not talking about sexism and racism and homophobia and all of the issues that concern ordinary Americans. What I worry about is that works to Trump's advantage. So to answer your question, Chris, I think there has got to be a thorough investigation and I think the House Democrats will do it. I would very much appreciate if my Republican colleagues in the Senate who run the Senate had the guts to do it as well, but I won't hold my breath. So I want to see that investigation. We'll see where it goes. But uh, right now, you know, that is that's my view. All right. Um, but I think we have very good reason to believe that there is an investigation that has been conducted, which has produced evidence that tells us that this president and his administration engaged in obstruction of justice, I believe Congress should take the steps towards impeachment. I think he's made it pretty clear that he deserves impeachment. I'll leave it to the... But I'm also going to leave it to the House and Senate to figure that out. Uh, In addition to impeachment, 
uh, lots of issues were discussed. And as we talked about on the podcast yesterday, we sort of took a deep dive into Elizabeth Warren's college affordability student debt forgiveness plan and universal free college plan. She rolled that out yesterday morning in advance of this college town hall last night, and she spoke about it at length last night. And in fact, we got many of the other candidates to weigh in on Senator Warren's plan since she had rolled it out earlier in the day. We had them sort of weigh in on it. I would say that nobody sort of did a full embrace of, hey, I'm going to run on the Warren plan. Sanders said... He and Warren think very alike on these things. She's clearly trying to one-up him, as we discussed yesterday with her plan. Senator Harris said it's a conversation that we should have and, and look into it, but she's all in favor of trying to alleviate the student debt crisis in the country. You know, some $1.5 trillion worth of student debt is being held at the moment. Pete Buttigieg, not quite on board with the specifics, want to make sure that some Wealthier folks are not receiving the benefit of debt forgiveness, even though Warren sort of scales it up so that it is much more targeted to low-income, middle-class Americans. Uh, as you go up the income scale, you get less of a benefit, but Buttigieg was suggesting maybe no benefit at all as you get above households with $200,000 worth of income. and. Klobuchar, most notably, again, reasserted, like, there's no feasible way to give everyone free college. She said she wishes everybody could just get – she could put a diploma under every chair in the audience. But she said, don't look under your chair. It's not there. So once again, bringing that sort of pragmatist, sticking to achievable – what she sees as more realistic goals than sort of the pie-in-the-sky, dream-big, ambitious kind of policy setting. The other – policy issue that got introduced as a new, big, progressive, bold policy issue in this race comes from Senator Kamala Harris, who got a question about guns in the town hall. And she rolled out, clearly had come prepared to do this. She rolled out a policy where she basically said, if Congress doesn't act in her first hundred days as president, if she were to win on getting gun control legislation passed, that she is going to do a lot of what she wants to accomplish in this area through executive action. Kamala Harris did something that Elizabeth Warren has been doing in this race. She's sort of Warren's been the pace setter on policy. Well, in fact, when it comes to gun policy now, Kamala Harris is clearly out there with the boldest proposal to date that we've seen from any of the Democratic candidates. And now it's going to be up to all the other Democratic candidates to weigh in on where they are on the Harris policy that she rolled out on gun safety laws. Here is Senator Harris. Upon being elected, I will give the United States Congress 100 days to get their act together and have the courage to pass reasonable gun safety laws. And if they fail to do it, then I will take executive action. And specifically what I will do is put in place a requirement that for anyone who sells more than five guns a year, they are required to do background checks when they sell those guns. I will require that for any gun dealer that breaks the law, the ATF take their license. And by the way, ATF, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. Well, the ATF has been doing a lot of the A and the T, but not much of the F. And we need to fix that. And then... On the third piece, because none of us have been sleeping over the last two years, part of what has happened under the current administration is they took fugitives 
off the list of prohibited people. I'd put them back on the list, meaning that fugitives from justice should not be able to purchase a handgun or any kind of weapon. So that's what I'd do. Another bit of sound that I want you guys to hear was this question that Bernie Sanders got last night in the town hall about felon voting rights and about his support for the notion that people currently serving prison terms for felonies and and including the questioner sort of put in the context, the Boston Marathon bomber or somebody convicted of sexual assault that that person should get the right to vote while serving in prison. Chris Cuomo pressed Bernie Sanders on this notion. Here is how Bernie Sanders presented his point of view on the matter. Now, here is my view. If somebody commits a serious crime, sexual assault, murder, they're going to be punished. They may be in jail for 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, their whole lives. That's what happens when you commit a serious crime. But I think the right to vote is inherent to our democracy. Yes, even for terrible people. Because once you start chipping away and you say, well, that guy committed a terrible crime, not going to let him vote. Or that person did that, not going to let that person vote. You're running down a slippery slope. So I believe that people who commit crimes, they pay the price. When they got out of jail, I believe they certainly should have the right to vote. But I do believe that even if they are in jail... They're paying their price to society, but that should not take away their inherent American right to participate in our democracy. So he is fully on board and in favor with uh, in favor of this notion, as he said there at the end, even if they're in jail, they're paying the price to society. But that should not take away their American right to participate in our democracy. Well, the RNC could not have been faster in painting Bernie Sanders. It's sort of outside the mainstream with this. By the way, there are several Democrats that have since come out who are also opposed it. They sort of joined with the RNC on this. Cuomo even when, you know, pushed Sanders being like, you're writing an opposition ad, aren't you? He, he said, you know, I've written many opposition ads against me with my beliefs. And, you know, he just wanted to stick to that position. Well, We asked the people that followed Sanders, so we couldn't ask Warren or Klobuchar, but we asked Harris and Buttigieg to respond to this Bernie Sanders plan. Here, first Harris, then Buttigieg. This is how they responded to Sanders' support for felon voting rights. I agree that the right to vote is one of the very important components of citizenship. And it is something that people should um, should not be stripped of needlessly, which is why I have been long an advocate of making sure that the formerly incarcerated are not denied a right to vote, which is the case in so many states in our country, in some states permanently deprived of the right to vote. And these are policies that go back to Jim Crow. These are policies that go back to the heart of, of policies that have been about disenfranchisement, policies that continue until today. And we need to take it seriously. But, but people who are in, convicted in prison, like the Boston Marathon bomber, on death row, people who are convicted of sexual assault, they should be able to vote? I think we should have that conversation. What do you think? Should people convicted of sexual assault, of the Boston Marathon bomber, should they be able to vote? While incarcerated? Yeah. No, I don't think so. Uh, Two very different responses there. I think we should have that conversation, is what Kamala Harris said, meaning she didn't dismiss it, she didn't embrace it, she just didn't want to take a position on it. 
which is just really intriguing from a former prosecutor. And then you have Pete Buttigieg on the other end just saying, no, I don't think so. Couldn't have been more clear. The governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, was on New Day this morning. He said he totally disagrees with Bernie Sanders on this. No, it should not happen. Eric Swalwell, Democratic congressman from California, who's also running for president, he expressed opposition to it on New Day this morning as well. This is not an issue that's going away. This now, thanks to Bernie Sanders, a front-running contender for the nomination, sort of putting this out there. Every Democratic candidate's going to have to respond to it. I would be surprised if it didn't come up again in a future debate in this primary season. This one is going to come back to haunt him. I, I have little doubt. And finally, I wanted you to hear this snippet of uh, Anderson Cooper and Pete Buttigieg back and forth on the U.S. ambassador to Germany, Richard Grinnell, who is gay and chimed in on the Pence versus Buttigieg debate that happened a couple weeks ago back and forth over religion and over homosexuality. And Anderson pressed Buttigieg on this criticism he was getting from Grinnell. And I want you to hear how Buttigieg handled that question. Uh, Just to follow up on that, you've gotten into kind of a back and forth, a public back and forth between Vice President Pence and yourself over the issue of discrimination against LGBTQ people and faith. Uh, The current ambassador to Germany, Richard Grinnell, who's also gay, uh, he weighed in on this, saying that you have been, quote, pushing this hate hoax along the lines of Jussie Smollett for a very long time now, several weeks. How do you respond to that? I'm not a master fisherman, but I know bait when I see it, and I'm not going to take it. (laughs) All right. Not going to take the bait. Just a uh, savvy response to Anderson's question Buttigieg did not want to allow Rick Grinnell to get the upper hand for sort of trolling him on this. And he just dismissively dispatched with that question in clearly very popular fashion for the crowd that was in the audience. It was one of the biggest applause lines of the night for any candidate uh, across the five town halls. But it just shows you Buttigieg has that skill in the moment to come up with a one-liner like that, that may serve him well in the debates going forward. It was an extraordinary night. You really got to size up some of the frontrunners for the nomination side by side by side as they each took the stage one after the other. Top questions on a lot of the same topics, so you were really able to hear how each one of these front-running candidates positioned themselves. It was sort of a precursor, a little appetizer to the debate season that is now only uh, six or seven weeks away. That does it for this edition of The Daily DC. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope you'll tune in again right here tomorrow.